Father in heaven, thank you for your word to us. Thank you that even when our agenda is changed, yours isn't. Thank you that you're a sovereign God and you've designed before the beginning of time that these will be the words that we look at this evening. And we pray that as we look into them, through them and through the work of your spirit, you would impart to our hearts and our lives truth, life and joy that we might follow you faithfully all our days. And we pray it for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. I'm going to begin by asking you a pretty blunt question. And the question's this. If you're not a Christian here this evening, why not? And if you are a Christian here this evening, and I'm assuming the majority of you are, then no doubt you've got friends and family outside this room that don't yet trust in the Lord Jesus. The question is why? Why not? Why do people refuse to believe in Jesus? We were away at the FIC conference, as you've heard last week, and, and the big theme was evangelism. We were looking at the state of our nation, and of course there's some real encouragements there. But some of the stats that you hear do arrest you, they do challenge you. And the latest figures tell us that there's approximately 68 million people in the UK that currently don't know, follow and love the Lord Jesus Christ. 68 million. And the question is, why not? Why do people refuse to believe in Jesus? Is it primarily a head issue? Is it a lack of understanding? People just not know enough about Jesus to put their trust in him. Maybe. Or is it primarily a heart issue? Is it not an issue of understanding primarily, but actually it's a lack of will. People just don't want to believe in Jesus. Well, I begin with that question because that's the question that Jesus himself addresses here in these few verses. Why do people not believe? Have a look down at verse 19. This is your answer, says Jesus. Here's your reason. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world. Jesus. God himself has stepped down from heaven into this world. But people loved darkness. Instead of light, because their deeds were evil. You see, this is the first of two reasons that we're going to look at this evening. Why people refuse to believe in Jesus. And you see it there in verse 19. It's because people love the dark. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness. You see, here's the remarkable thing, isn't it? The God who made this world... Who brought all things into existence, the source of all joy and happiness and goodness and life and gladness has come into this world in the person of Jesus. As you maybe looked at this morning in John 1 verse 14, the word became flesh. God himself became a human being. And he made his dwelling in this world. He literally pitched his tent among the people of this world and he came to live amongst his people and he came as we see here as the light into this dark broken and dying world yet what do we learn in verse 19 people love darkness instead how remarkable the god of all heaven and life stepped into this world but people jesus says they love the dark instead they prefer the dark 
You see, here's the real issue when we get down to it, isn't it? People love sin. They love it in the dark. People love a life lived independently of God. And you see there on the screen, the language is ever so strong, isn't it? The language of love. People love the dark. Not just happy in the dark or don't mind being in the dark, but people really love it. They want to be there. They crave this life that is lived independently of God where they can do what they want and seek what is ultimately a futile and empty joy. I don't know whether anyone here is familiar, you're probably not, with Eskimo survival techniques, um, but I watched a, a documentary not too long ago on, on, on Eskimos and how they survive and how they get hold of their prey, etc., and it's pretty gruesome how it works, but here's how it happens. Um, Eskimos will, will take their knife and they'll, they'll make a little nick in their own hand maybe and cut themselves and smear the blade with blood. And then they'll ram the handle of the knife into the snow or ice, pack it round so it's just a blade showing, which is covered in blood. And of course, wolves have got this quite remarkable sense of smell and they love the taste of blood. So wolves are drawn, they can smell this from miles around and they're drawn to the knife. But of course, what happens when the wolf arrives there? Well, they lick it because they love the taste of blood. And what happens when they lick it? Well, their own tongue bleeds and there's more blood and they get caught up in this frenzy. And what actually happens is that they end up dying in a pool of their own blood. That's how it happens. It's, it's pretty gruesome, but that's how it works. And you see, when it comes to sin, it's not actually much different. Because sin, get a taste of it. Sin lures people in. We get a taste. We get this whiff of this life lived independently of God. And people actually pursue it. They go after it. They like this life. And unless a wonderfully loving saviour intervenes, it will end up destroying people. Sin will destroy people's souls, just like it destroyed the wolf. And you see, as we come to verse 19, I look at that verse and there's a couple of things that we learn there about sin. It's a problem of the hands and it's a problem of the heart. Do you see that? Sin is something we do. You see it there at the end of the verse People love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. The Bible is very clear that our behaviours are wrong, our attitudes are wrong, our deeds are broken and wrong and evil. Sin is an issue of the hands. But we do the wrong things because we love the wrong things. You see, the problem is deep down here in our hearts. It's what we pursue because we fail to pursue the God who made us and created us and loves us and desires good for us. And we pursue alternative things. You see it again, look in Luke chapter 6, verse 45. And I think we know and understand this principle. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Yeah? The stuff that comes out of the mouth, both good and bad, it comes from the heart. So all those broken words that come out of our mouths, we just heard, we just said sorry for them when we say in our prayers. Those broken words when we hurt people and we knock people down instead of building people up. Those words that come out, the source of the problem is the human heart itself. People do wrong things because they love wrong things, says Jesus. It's remarkable, but People actually love life in the dark, living independently of God. 
But there's a second reason which is tied in as well. People don't just love the dark, but they hate the light. Do you see that in verse 20? Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. People hate the light. Some of you maybe heard me use this illustration before, but when I was about 14 years old, uh, one of my good friends, Hoppy, Gareth Hopkins, I actually caught up with him yesterday, one of my old pals from school. We became mates in about year nine or ten at school. And I remember the first time I went round to his house on the evening and stopped over at his house, 14-year-old lad. And uh, in his room, he's got, he's got bunk beds in his room and went to bed. I remember I was in the top bunk, he was in the bottom bunk. And it's one of those nightmare scenarios when you wake up in the middle of the night, two or three in the morning, and need the toilet, and you don't want to disturb people, just met his mum and dad that evening, just become friends with Hoppy really in the last couple of weeks. But I need the toilet, and I'm on the top bunk, and it's pitch black. So I've made my way down the little steps of the bunk bed, I'm out onto the landing, darkness. And I've just paused to think, I'm thinking to myself, right, lay out of the landing, bedroom, bedroom, bathroom, bedroom, got it. So I start making my way across, can't see anything, you know, you kick an old shoe or a slipper and clothes horse, and you bump through a few things, then eventually you sort of find the wall, the door frame, door handle open, door goes open, hand round the corner, on goes the light switch, yeah. Glennis and John Hopkins, Gareth's mum and dad, I've walked into Hopper's mum and dad's bedroom at two o'clock in the morning. I met them for dinner at six o'clock that night, and I stood there in my boxes. I just stood there like that. I'm thinking, well, what do I do now? I don't even know you. What do I do? But you see, that's what light does, right? You're in the darkness and you can't see. You are blind to the reality of the situation. But the minute the light switch comes on, all is revealed, yeah? All is revealed. And you know what? I didn't like what I saw that night. And I'm pretty sure Glennis and John Hopkins didn't like what they saw as well. Do you see, here's the deal. Light exposes the truth. And the true words of Jesus, the truth of the gospel, the truth of scripture exposes humanity. It exposes people for who they really are. And you know what? We don't like it. We don't like the real me. I don't want to be exposed. I don't want my sin laid bare before this world. I don't want to accept that I'm a sinner. But that's what Jesus teaches. He teaches that we are sinners in need of saving. And that's why people don't like the light. They don't want to come in for fear that their deeds will be exposed. And you see, we understand this, don't we? Because if you were to... Tell a friend of yours, oh, by the way, you're a sinner in need of saving. They probably wouldn't like it. They wouldn't like it. Because people don't want to hear it. And so they hide. People hide from the truth. I don't know if you think back to the Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Can you remember the first thing that Adam and Eve did after rejecting God? Remember what they did? Yeah, they hid. They hide from each other and they try and hide from God. (laughs) They try and hide from the infinite wise, all-seeing God. And you know what? People have been doing the same thing ever since. People would rather stay in the dark. They'd rather stay in the shadows of this world and pretend that God is not there rather than step into the light and face the truth which the Lord Jesus brings to this world. But you see, there is a a real problem with that strategy. There's a problem with that tactic. 
Because one day, there will be nowhere left to hide. One of Mir and Caleb's favourite games at the minute is for most young children, is hide and seek. And it's actually one of our ways that we get them upstairs. So just before bedtime, we're like, go on, go and hide upstairs, and we'll come and find you. And then they're upstairs, and we're ready to go, so it works. But we've not got the biggest house, and there's, uh, there's only about three places, really, you can hide upstairs. Because our bedroom is like a newish house. You just, there's no rock like closets and stuff like that. So it's basically the airing cupboard under the bed or in the wardrobe. So you play like three games of hide and seek and then you're just sort of hiding in the same places. And it gets a bit boring because you've got nowhere left to hide. But you see it's the same with God. We can run from God all our life. And people do. 68 million people have actively chosen to live life without God. They are running from God, proactively staying in the dark. And people can do that. But one day, there will be nowhere left to hide. You see, the day is coming, and we've sung about it already in the songs this evening. The day is coming when life comes to an end, and we stand before our almighty God. We stand before our maker and on that day the glory of God will shine. The great light switch will come on and all will be revealed. No one can hide from God on that day. All will be laid bare before him. Everything will be revealed. And again we've sung it in God's providence this evening. On that day every knee will bow. That's what we taught in Philippians chapter 2. On that great day When all is revealed, every single person will bow before Jesus and acknowledge him as Lord. And you see, some of us will do that gladly. (laughs) I mean, what a moment that will be when we stand before our Savior and we fall to our knees and, and we humbly embrace him with tears in our eyes saying, Jesus, thank you, thank you that you died for me and rose again. And we will love to bow, will we not as believers? Do not look forward to that day when you fall at your Saviour's feet and say, thank you. You are my Lord and my King and I will live with you forever as my greatest friend. That will be a monumental day for the believer. But Philippians chapter 2 teaches us that every knee will bow. Because all other knees, 68 million plus, will also bow on on that day. But they won't bow gladly. They'll be able to do nothing but bow in the presence of the glory and the greatness of God. And they will declare Jesus as Lord on that day before being shut out from his presence and his goodness forever in a place that the Bible calls hell. You see, if we choose, if people choose to live in the dark now, independently of God, then we will get what we choose, says the Lord Jesus. I remember a conversation with someone, which I'll, I'll squeeze down because it was a longish conversation, but we were talking, it was a non-Christian friend, we were talking about that day. We were talking about life now and what happens. And it, it's pretty much the saddest thing that I've ever heard in conversation, but he said, you know what, Wellesley, if that really is true, if there is this great day, as you call it, coming, he said, to be honest, I don't really mind being in the dark because all my friends are there anyway. I said to him, do you know what? That's not how it works, because there are no friends there. You see, it is a place of darkness. There's no light. There's no life. There's no joy. There's no happiness. There's no gladness. There's no smiles, because all that comes from God. 
And for those that choose not to have God, they choose not to have those things. And I said to him, that will not be the case in that place. And that's why the words of Jesus, probably missed out a couple of slides there. John 8 verse 12, words that you know that come later on in John's gospel, picking up the theme of where we started this morning in our service in John chapter 1. I mean, this is why these words are so precious, isn't it? Look what Jesus says this watching world on the back of the Feast of Tabernacles. He stands up in the temple area. There have been big lights around as, as God's people remembered God's magnificent rescue and deliverance from Egypt as he, as he led the people out with this big pillar of cloud and fire and light. And they remembered this triumphant rescuing God. And Jesus then stands in the temple courts and he says, I'm the light of the world. It's me. I'm God. I'm rescue, I'm salvation, I'm life, I'm truth, I am everything. And whoever follows me, whoever trusts in me, will never, ever, ever walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. What a magnificent promise. You don't only taste life now as it's meant to be. Life in the light, walking with God amongst all the trials and the struggles and the challenges. There's a joy. There's something deep down in your soul that cannot be taken. It's the life of Christ. And we taste it now. But we will walk forever in the light of life for all eternity on that day. And Jesus says, just come to me. Come to me. Because that's where life is found. And so as we finish, let me return to that question where we began this evening. Why do people refuse to believe in Jesus? 68 million people, give or take. And we will all know people in that number. People that we love desperately and dearly. Is it primarily a head thing? Is it a lack of understanding? Do people not know enough? Maybe Maybe that's a part of the problem. It maybe is. But then we have a wonderful privilege, do we not, as the people of God, because we know this gospel. To herald it, to proclaim it, to share it, to speak it, to gossip the gospel into people's lives that they might know Christ as well. That we can inform people's minds and bring Jesus to them. But I think the real issue, says Jesus in these verses, it's not so much the head but the heart. The real problem is people don't want to believe. They, they, they like it in the dark. They like that life without God. If the heart's the real problem, then it should drive us to our knees in prayer. And we should be praying that our all-gracious God would gently expose people's hearts. That he'd seek them out. People are hiding all over the place in this world. And they hide in a whole range of different ways. Let's pray that God, by his spirit, will be shining a light of truth into people's hearts, that he'd be seeking people. He'd be exposing people to their sin, to their rejection, to their rebellion. Because the wonderful thing is when when that happens, when you recognize your sin, then God generously leads us to a loving savior who will deal with it as well. And lastly, if if you are here this evening and you are in the dark yourself, not yet stepped into the light. Could I say to you, stop hiding. Stop hiding this evening and step into the light where Jesus is walking. And walk with him through life because he's everything. And he's everything in eternity. And maybe we're in, and we are, you're in, you're, in, you're in the light there if you're a Christian. But for some of us, there's still those things in our heart, right? 
just that old way of life. It's clinging on. There's a bit of darkness or something still there that we're refusing to let go of. If there's something there that's holding you back or pulling you back as a believer, step into the light again. Step into the light. Let Jesus expose what is wrong in there. And let him teach you the way to live, which is a joyful way and it is an all-glorious way of living. So why don't I leave you for just a couple of minutes because there's a whole range of applications in there for us this evening. But just sit. Why don't you just sit for a couple of minutes with John 8:12 on the screen with your Bibles open and think about what Jesus has said through these few verses this evening. How is this going to challenge our hearts and change this world for the glory of God? Take a couple of minutes and the band will come up and we will sing to finish. Riches I heed not, nor man's empty praise. Thou, mine inheritance, now and always. Thou and thou only, the first in my heart. High King of heaven, my treasure, thou art. Father, thank you that all the riches in this world that we could get our hands on compare not to the riches of the gospel and all that we have in you. Thank you that you are our great inheritance, you are our great saviour, you are our great king and our great friend. Father, we are sorry when you don't take the supreme place in our hearts. Sorry when our hearts wander after things that are not you, when our hearts are led astray, when we pursue things that are not of Christ, we commit these things to you and we say sorry and we pray Lord Jesus that you would reinsert yourself on the throne of our hearts that we would live all our days for you that the watching world would see that there is only one treasure worth having in life and it's a relationship with you through the Lord Jesus Christ and we pray all these things for his glory Amen